Imagine a society without forgiveness. What would it look like if every time someone wronged us, we responded with our most basic instincts, avoidance or revenge? This is one of the most critical types of situations in which we find ourselves torn between what we want to do and what makes the world a better place. In this episode, we explore the science of forgiveness. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Yeah, Ben, prepping for this episode with you was like, man, I started to feel it in my shoulders. I just want to punch somebody's face. You know, I think about all those action movies where there's like maybe one minute at the beginning of the movie where something really bad happens to the guy. They kill his dog. They destroy his family. They, you know, they wrong him at work. And then the next two hours, jam-packed forgiveness. No, jam-packed revenge. That's right. That's what's it's going down. Yeah, it, it seems like as a society and certainly within pop culture, we love to see revenge, right? We really do. And, you know, today we're going to explore what that's about a little bit, but also the flip side of it and this idea of forgiveness. And we're going to talk about what forgiveness is, some ways to think about it. We're going to talk about how forgiveness develops and some of its links with well-being and some implications for all of us. So I guess let's just start with this idea of what forgiveness is and some ways to think about it. And in prep prepping for this episode, we drew upon a, a chapter that was in the Handbook of Positive Psychology titled The Psychology of Forgiveness. And uh, we'll put a link to that citation in the, the show notes. Um, and I, I just think that, that it provided us with some grounding for how to think about this whole idea. And it really is kind of a deep one, isn't it? Well, yeah, we, it, we've all been wrong. And, you know, people use that euphemism of, oh, carrying baggage around. And, and I think it's a good one. You know, we all have some baggage of, you know what? I wish I could have just beat that guy into a pulp. You know what? I fantasized about that person dying in a horrific bus accident or something. You know, you, you, the base level, like it immediately goes to violence and the worst parts of our human nature when we are wronged, right? Yeah, it really can. And, you know, there's some great quotes that I want to share with our listeners here. These were actually in that chapter, right at the beginning of the chapter. The first quote is from Lewis Meads, who wrote The Art of Forgiving. And from that, uh, they quote, It would give us some comfort if we could only forget a past that we cannot change. If we could only choose to forget the cruelest moments, we could, as time goes on, free ourselves from their pain. But the wrong sticks like a nettle in our memory. The only way to remove the nettle is with a surgical procedure called forgiveness, end quote. That's, a, that's just a powerful one, isn't it? Yeah, it's so good. And, and the second one at the beginning of that chapter from the human condition is without being forgiven, released from the consequences of what we have done, our capacity to act would be confined to a single deed from which we could never recover. We would remain the victims of its consequences forever. And yeah. you know, this is something that we struggle with as a society. There is no social redemption script, so to say. You know, when somebody falls from grace, somebody does something really bad, 
We don't know how to forgive as a society per se, unless there's maybe some kind of, you know, Oprah interview with tears or, you know, there's maybe a few examples you can think of, but there's not really a clear route for the not extremely famous to redeem themselves. You're right. This is a a problem that um, certainly has been around as long as human existence. But, you know, in in recent years, it seems like, um, you know, at least in the social consciousness, there is a, a lack of a path towards redemption. And and that's problematic for a variety of reasons. But, you know, we we have this human tendency to enact revenge or avoid uh, the people who harm us. Right. And there have been studies where they've shown this even in primates where, you know, they they, they get the monkeys together and, you know, the monkeys have been um, shown to you know get together and find ways to retaliate against those that did something wrong to them. And and even after some time has passed, right? And this is happening, you know, in in uh, in the in monkeys and other types of primates. Um, we are similar in that regard. That this is kind of our gut instinct. It is part of our nature. It seems to enact re- revenge on people around us, or at least to avoid them when they wrong yeah. us. It was crazy. I'm thinking these animals. They're waiting a while. They're yeah. They're <laughs> they're stewing on it, and then they're plotting together. And then they're harming another animal or another one of their troop. You know, it's and this goes it's, you know, there's, there's some kind of emotional release. And and if you like revenge movies, because it gives you some of that base level animal release of like, yeah, I feel so good because I'd love to do this to the people I work with. OK, <laughs> that that could be OK. Do push ups, work out, whatever you got to do to kind of get rid of that feisty, angsty chemical laden base level lizard brain reaction that you have inside of yourself. And I think that's what is a lot of the glamor. One of the things that when talking about this episode that really hacked me off is the modern movie. I think that it was late nineties that they did on the count of Monte Cristo, Mm. which is one of the classics. I love classic books are classic for a reason guys. So go read the classics. It's a time well spent. But in the book, a guy's thrown in jail, right? And he's trying to get his way out. And he finds himself in the cell of a, I believe it was a priest that was a political exile. And that priest teaches him basically moral and ethics through reading and writing and a whole host of other things. The guy gets out. He destroys all his enemies. You know, Conan the Barbarians, it, you know, rejoices in the lamentation of other women. And and then stands out on the cliff looking out and says, and now me and my house shall serve the Lord. Yeah. After you got rid of all that base level animal, horrible behavior, you know, it was it totally ruins it. But we do this in movies. Yeah, it's the idea of the antihero and the antihero is somebody who is justified in doing bad things because, hey, bad things happen to him. And so it's fine then. Yeah. Well, and it's just such a problematic way to think about dealing with real problems, right? So maybe it's okay at some level for that to be out there in literature and in pop culture. Um, but I, I do have a problem with that being glamorized, you know, and, and your example of the Count of Monte Cristo, this difference between the, the book and the movie, um, I think is, is really points that out. You know, revenge is also part of one of the most well-documented phenomena of uh, human existence, which is called the norm of reciprocity. When people do things to us, we have a 
tendency to react in kind. If someone does something great for us, we have this feeling of obligation to do something good for them in, in return. Same thing if we feel like we're wronged. You know, we have this instinct. And uh, the problem, though, is that we live in groups. We live in social units. And we can't always do that. If we do, society falls apart. And, you know, revenge, if that's the way that we operate, can just lead to this cycle of vengeance that, that just doesn't work in the long term. Um, and it's just not the world that I think most of us or any of us really would want to be a part of. Yeah. And you talked about in the intro to this episode, we're torn between how we want to behave and the world we want to live in. We want to be forgiven. And as humans, we need it. Because they say, well, nobody's perfect. But then they're like, ah, but you made that mistake there. That, that was a mistake too far. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I like about the Christ narrative from the Christian faith, is it is about everybody can get forgiveness at the foot of the cross, right? And, and in society, we need to have a forgiveness narrative. We are fallible, horrible humans. But in, in your intro, you talked about between how we want to get revenge and the society we want to live in. And so, and there's this idea of social capital, which is a short for the society we want to live in. Countries that don't have this, like Ben, you and I were in Afghanistan. That's where we first met. Like yeah. bribery, corruption, graft, all of that was rampant in the government and stuff that it was hard to get to the society that people would really want to live in. They'd have to carry AK-47s walking down the street and stuff because there was just shenanigans going on with social capital. Yeah. I mean, just for just for a market, market, a free market economy even to kind of work, you know, for capitalism to kind of work, a good barter and trade system, you have to have a level of trust for things to work out, right? Um, and when you are in this cycle of vengeance, uh, that it doesn't work out so well. And it's interesting because if you look at cultures across the ages, almost all cultures, all developed cultures at least, have some sort of process that takes this retaliation that we oftentimes want to en enact on our transgressors, uh, and it places it somewhere else. It places it somewhere with society in, for an impartial third party, a judicial system, for example, to deal with, um, because we realize how problematic it is for that to just for us to just do it ourselves, so to speak. Um, it's also, you know, this this tendency to be uh, revenge focused and to avoid those who uh, just trans transgress us. Um, it, it's also just interpersonally corrosive, right? It doesn't help us as society. So forgiveness is another way to deal with transgressions. And as you mentioned, um, you know, all the major religions, of course, have some sort of narrative that discusses and uh, puts some level of importance on this idea of forgiveness. Right. And the, the other reaction is avoidance, right? Which, you know, socially outcasting somebody has, you know, mental negative effects on that person. But if if you're not going to go beat his face in or, you know, I don't know, knock over his mailbox with a baseball bat or something, <laughs> <laughs> you, you might just avoid him. And that avoidance is actually corrosive on yourself because you don't get to go through this emotional process 
of getting rid of some of this negative affect and baggage, right? We're talking about baggage, baggage that goes with harboring lack of forgiveness towards somebody. Right. So, you know, forgiveness as a topic in um, the scholarly literature actually has been studied by social scientists now for a couple of decades, more in earnest. It's, it's interesting that it took that long for this to be a topic of inquiry, but um, in recent decades, it has been studied. And there's some really interesting points that I think we should make here when we're trying to think about what forgiveness is. And one of the first things that we try to do in the social sciences when we're looking at some sort of topic is we try to define it better um, because you can't really measure something if you don't have a good definition for it. And if you can't measure it, then it's hard to study if impossible, right? So you need to have some good definitions around it. And so, you know, this chapter that we're, we're drawing heavily from in this episode um, called The Psychology of Forgiveness, uh, first of all, discusses a little bit about what forgiveness is not and how it's different from some other notions that are a little bit related, but but not exactly the same. Yeah, because I think a lot of people worry about, oh my gosh, forgiveness. Well, what about the wrongness that happened? You know, they, there's some kind of remedy that needs, but let's talk a little bit about. It. So first of all, it's different from pardoning, which is just a legal remedy, mm -hmm. you know? Or, or even sentencing, you know, okay, well, it's this and that. And one of the things that we know from the literature is like the reason why you can't have this revenge land of the dark elves is, okay, he did this to me. I'm going to do something equal to him. But the person that has it done to them, they never feel that it was equal. They weren't right. like, well, okay, that was fair. That Because there's a <laughs> perception versus damage problem that keeps this unvirtuous cycle of revenge going. That's right. So it's different from pardoning. It's, you know, because it's it's something that forgiveness is something that happens within the person who is offering forgiveness, right? Um, pardoning is just more of a strictly legal type of idea. Um, condoning, right, is justifying behavior. And forgiveness isn't about justifying behavior, right? It, it's, it's also not excusing um, someone's behavior, right? You know, if you're saying, well, it was okay um, because of some sort of circumstances. So we're not excusing someone by forgiving them. We're not condoning it. It's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. And we're not forgetting, which would be, you know, sticking your head in the sand and pretending, oh, I don't remember that, you know, and, and it's not denial either, which that never happened. You know, mm -hmm. these are things that don't forgiveness looks straight into the nasty, bold face eyeballs of the wrong and realizes all of it. All of it happened. And despite that all of that stuff went down, decides to move forward in a different way than the natural yeah. way, right? Of avoidance or some kind of revenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, when we think about what, we've talked about a little bit about what forgiveness is not. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about what it is, or at least some ways to think about it. And there are kind of three different ways that we can think about um, defining forgiveness. And the first one is as a response. So it's a pro-social change. It's something that's for the betterment of the group. It is pro-social change in someone's thoughts, you know, how you're thinking about stuff, your emotions, how you feel about it, and or your behavior toward a blameworthy transgressor, right? This is someone who did something wrong, blameworthy, and yet you're making the choice 
to think differently about it, to feel differently about it, to do something differently about it that's not grounded in avoidance or revenge. So that's the response definition of forgiveness. Yeah, and there's some personality elements. You know, some mm-hmm. people might be better at this than others, right? And yeah. this is a, a the personality aspect is a propensity to forgive across a wide range of situations. And I think we all have met people in our lives like that 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 are just able to slide into forgiveness and you know, some some might even call them saints even at points in history. You know, these some people just are really good at this. Others of us have to really work at it. Right, right. Yeah, I think we've all probably thought of other people and who, uh, you know, hold grudges for forever or for a very long time. And what's interesting, and this is jumping a little bit ahead to some kind of, um, you know, outcomes and so forth. But, you know, when you think about those people who hold grudges, who don't have this propensity to forgive across a wide range of situations, it oftentimes is a very corrosive thing for that person, right? It's not a healthy way to exist, really. Yeah, if you're at the neighborhood pub and you kind of know everybody, you see them there most days, there's always one or two you're like, oh, you know, hi, Dan. You know, the... Dan's not over anything and he's just sits there and he'll spit his poison to anybody who'll listen. Now that doesn't mean Dan doesn't need a hug and some love and somebody listen, but Dan, at some point, if he wants to, you know, one of the ways to think of this is why let the wrong that happened to you affect you negatively any longer than it should. You're flushing good life down after bad. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, we can also think of um, forgiveness as a characteristic of a social unit. So it's kind of an attribute that's similar to intimacy or trust or commitment within little groups. It could be a, you know, a, a dyad. It could be, a, you know, a marriage. It could be in a family, in communities, some organizations even um, that have ways, have paths towards redemption that, you know, care about the relationship um, and about preserving, um, you know, order and um, through forgiveness versus, you know, retaliation and revenge. Um, so those are some different ways to think about it, at least the way that the, the scholarly literature has evolved in the past few decades. Yeah. And, and that idea of social capital, lots of us have seen like the samurai movies, for instance, and they have like an honor based culture. And this is in the literature as well for stuff. Honor cultures require certain retribution during certain acts. And we've all seen those movies where it's like, oh, God, they're just they can't get off the rails of this honor culture thing. And look at all the pain and social wounding and not the kind of society you want to live in, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that goes on. And so a lot of this forgiveness stuff is getting off the rails of these ways that we just naturally act. And maybe some ideas of like honor culture and those kinds of things and live in a modern society that more people can thrive in. Right, right. And so let's talk now maybe a little bit about how forgiveness develops and some of its links with well-being. And I think the first thing is that it seems like forgiveness and the propensity to forgive is it's something that seems to develop over a lifetime. There's actually some um, research looking at you know how how people's attitudes and um, thoughts about forgiveness change with age, right? We tend to be a little bit better at it as we get older. Um, 
but I, I think it's really starts, um, you know, at a young age, you, you can see if anyone who has small children knows that it's not a natural thing necessarily for kids to forgive each other. You see two little kids and one of them snatches a toy away from the other. You know, you're, you're probably going to see some revenge happening pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Fist to face. Like my kids don't mess <laughs> around. They, they're like freaking, you know, my, little Mike Tyson's going nuts on each other when stuff. And it's like, guys, we maybe just yell at each other. Maybe we try to just like get the fist cuffs down there. <laughs> start with just yelling at each other. But, you know, and but that just speaks to some of the personality issues and stuff and that you're not born installed with forgiveness. Now, some people, it's easier to develop, right? Some of those personality traits. But this is something like any virtue that's worth having, you know, a good workout routine, um, kindness, all that kind of stuff. Forgiveness is something you have to build over a lifetime. And this is where we talk about moral development at large, right? We have to practice where we want to get to and be kind to yourself during that practice because it doesn't come overnight. Right, right. You know, and I think it's about having a more int intentional approach toward it. Um, and we'll talk about this with, with regard to some of the implications. But what's interesting, too, from the research is it seems like forgiveness has benefits, um, you know, that we can measure for not only the uh, the person who is harmed, who, who the transgressor is the person who did something wrong, but also for the person who was wronged. There are benefits for that person as well. Yeah, the benefits are massive there. And, you know, so even if you're like in that I've been wounded and I freaking hate this person's guts phase, you're like, why? You know, like we talked about earlier, why flush good life after bad? You want to move. You want to give as little time. Now, you're going to have to give some time. Don't shortchange the forgiveness process. But you want to give as little time to the resentment, the anger, the avoidance as possible. Because the bet, more you practice this forgiveness, the more you can reap those benefits in your life. And one of the ways, and, you know, this is a little bit from, you know, how we're going to talk about implications for all of us. But, you know, at this moment to say, this is a time that you can think about forgiveness before you actually need to use it, right? A lot of people... You know, moral philosophy, one of the basic things, they always set up these dilemmas, right? There's a train track coming and your kids on one train track and there's a hundred people on the other that are going to die. Do you, do you let the hundred people die or do you let your only son die type thing? And, and the benefit about going through these kind of moral dilemmas is it allows us to practice our moral development before life happens and makes us write a check that we might not cat, be able to cash because we haven't done the work or thinking beforehand. Uh, police officers do shoot, no shoot training because they need to make sure that they don't shoot the wrong kind of people. And I know that's fraught and loaded for us as a society right now, but this is just an example of training where you're trying to do the moral work before you're confronted with a challenging situation. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important because when that challenging situation happens, um, you know, that's that's really the test of whether or not you're going to, um, you know, act in the way that you were taught or not. And if you don't have that foundation, then you probably will revert to, you know, your mo more 
um, base instincts. And in this case, that would be more of revenge. It'd be more of avoidance. Um, certainly wouldn't necessarily be forgiveness. Um, you know, there are also a couple uh, major components uh, from an another research article that we came across that I think are important to, to think about. You know, if you're really trying to develop forgiveness, what that looks like. And the first one is about cultivating acceptance, right? It's about not avoiding, not, not denying what happened, um, and, but, but, but realizing it, that it did happen and that you're, you're going to look that in the face. Right. Now, Ben, I mean, your youngest son was killed, right? right. By a vehicle. Um, I don't, what was it? Was it vehicular manslaughter? Was it right? Charge? Yeah. I mean, so this is, uh, this was a case of a completely blameworthy transgression, right? Uh, this was not just, you know, my son was on a sidewalk riding his bike. And, um, you know, the driver pulled, didn't look at all and just barreled out of a parking lot and ran him over. And, um, you know, the driver was charged legally and found guilty. And along the way, um, you know, the, the choice that came to me, um, you know, pretty much immediately as, as you start thinking about these things and then in reality, when it's like, well, what do you want to, what kind of letter do you want to write to the judge who's going to impose a sentence on this person, right? And then it's like, where, well, you know, this is a time to put your money where your mouth is in terms of how you've developed as a human over the course of your life. And, you know, so for both my wife and I, we had to go through that process. Um, we both wrote long letters, as did many of our other family members and stuff, to the judge talking about the, you know, what happened, our perspective, and what sentence we recommend for the, uh, the defendant. And, um, and actually, the sentence that was imposed by the judge was actually harsher than we actually recommended. And, you know, both my wife and I, in our statements that we read in court, in front of the person who killed our son, um, we both talked about forgiveness. And my wife talked about the fact that, you know, she, she believed that the driver also carried a profound wound that was in need of healing. Um, and, you know, that's that is cultivating acceptance. Right. It's not like this person set out that morning um, thinking, oh, well, later today, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. It wasn't something like that, but it, it was definitely negligent driving. Um at the same time, like, what are we going to do with that? If we, if we just sit around and stew about it and we, we, cause you, know. you got mad, right? Did, did you feel some real anger at some points? Oh, absolutely. And I still do. Right. I still, well, in, in various ways, um, not necessarily about the driver, but just about you know, why this happens, all that kind of stuff. But you could allow that to completely dominate your psyche and I think it could really drag you um, into a, a, a really unhealthy place if you if you allow it. Um, where, you know, on the other hand, forgiveness, uh, even if it's just an intellectual choice, which is something that I actually said in my statement is, you know, I said forgiveness for me is an intellectual choice at this moment. Um, that's OK. Right. You don't have to necessarily feel it, I don't think. Because uh, it can be a change in how you think, it can be a change in how you feel, but it also can be a change in just how you behave and so forth. Uh, that is the key 
to moving forward in a healthy way. Um, and at least that's how I see it. And I think that the, the research um, and centuries of human existence, millennia of human existence would, would also support that. Right. And so I, I just want to because what Ben speaks about it, and I, and definitely because it's an emotional thing, you know, and Ben and I've been waiting through this together, and you know, it's you're going to have all those regular human feelings. Like it couldn't have been fun going to that court case because you feel that avoidance drive, right? You mm -hmm. have all these emotions, but the the three, some of the three major components of this is cultivating acceptance. The, the second one is empathy and perspective taking which I was just humbled to watch Lindsay and Ben and, and their statement to the court and all that stuff. It is obvious that they had massive amounts of empathy and also perspective taking. And then moving through to benefit finding and executing this process of forgiveness that I'll be honest, I, I having known Ben and Lindsay for years now, they've done the moral work to be able to respond in the way that they have done. And, and, and that's, I want to, you know, not to keep this episode on this horrible event, but I just want to say that when you do the moral work ahead of time, when you preload that stuff, when life writes that check, you don't go to the bank of your moral development and find it non-sufficient funds. And, and so I want to exhort our listeners here to do some pre-thinking. And we'll do some episodes on this kind of stuff coming up on aspects of like humility, forgiveness, love, joy, these kinds of things. Actually think about these elements that make life sweet. And the world, a world without forgiveness is not one that anybody, anybody wants to live in. Yeah, that's so well said, Chris, really is. And I, I appreciate your your kind thoughts and words there. It, it, I think it's it's very. Um, I, I I would just also like to emphasize just you know, I, what, one thing you said that really resonates with how I think about things is you you have to do this work beforehand. It, it doesn't come. I mean, when something happens to you, um, and it, it maybe it's something extreme like what happened to my family. Maybe it's something less extreme. Uh, I hope it's something less extreme. Something will happen at you know various points in your life that's that are unpleasant. And where forgiveness is potentially something you need to um, need to use, you know, doing the work beforehand makes it a lot easier, right? Otherwise, you you are not going to have, I don't think, the ability to to do it that way. And and going th going through life with a lot of revenge and holding grudges, um, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for society. And, you know, something we talk about on this podcast a lot is you have to be the change that you want to see in the world, in the, in your organizations, in society, right? If there are things that you don't like that you want to see changed, be the, the change, right? And I think this is part of that. Um, absolutely. And, and it's also about just breaking that cycle of revenge, of vengeance, of ill will, that can so oftentimes permeate our relationships and families and neighbors and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. One of the things we, one of the terms we use with our clients is this idea of a collaborative alliance. You know, maybe people aren't your most favorite people. Maybe given any given day that you got to choose from a lineup of people to hang out for that day, you'd never pick that person. 
But as a society, we're trying to achieve things together. And so that may, you know, things that are concern me that I hear out in society, that person will never learn. Yeah. Well, maybe a lot of them won't. But if you keep working with them, if you hold out that hand or something I say, if you leave the light on for others in your life, if you can get 10%, that maybe 90%, oh, that's so horrible. 90% didn't participate in forgiveness or 90% will never learn. But you're missing the forest for the trees, man. The 10%. And if that 10% does 10%, this is how change works. It's a complicated mess that gets us to how society and people organize right now. There's not an easy way out. And the moral development isn't easy, but you got to do it because if you don't, you're in the land of dark elves. That getting all this preparation and thinking of explaining your position over and over and over and 90% will never change their ways. Okay. You know, yeah, that's, that's the gig. But you put on your backpack and start walking, right? Yeah. And well, what's interesting, too, if you think about the outcomes of forgiveness, the benefits for you as the person who is forgiving others, even if none of them change their behavior. Even if none of them do anything differently, it, there, there's still psychological benefits for you to forgive, right? In terms of Im- improvements in your um, perspective on life, your you know, lower levels of even depression and um, you know, uh, negative mood and all those types of things that tend to be much lower among the people who forgive. So even if it had no benefit, um, which it oftentimes does have a benefit to others, uh, even if it didn't though, there's still value in forgiveness. And that's just fascinating to me. And I think, you know, moving now, maybe starting to talk a little bit more about some implications. You already hit on one of them, but it's, you know, we have to be intentional about developing our moral reasoning before bad stuff happens. Because when the bad stuff happens, you're going to be emotionally flooded and it is not the time to say, well, now I need to figure out what my life's about. I mean, maybe that'll happen to you, right? Yeah. For Hold that thought reasons. while I read four books on forgiveness. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. right. It's not going to work out so well. Um, but this is where we have to, I think, just take a take a moment and think about how we think about things. I, so much of what I see is that people just run from one thing to the next, doing this, doing that, trying to succeed, whatever that means in various ways, competing with other people. And it's just a bunch of busyness. And not a lot of thought. Yeah. Do that thought. And when you do that thought and live those values that you have, you just become a bright light and beacon to others around you. I know so many times in my life, I'm like, shoot, I want to, if I could just be half of what that guy was, you know, I had this guy named Sean Williams uh, when I was a kid, when my parents were going through a divorce, I could call him in the middle of the night, bawling my eyes out. And he would just wake up and come get me and get me a cheeseburger at some place in the middle of the night and just listen to me. And, you know, I, after like four or five times of him doing that, I'm just like, man, if I could grow up and be half of what he was to me to somebody else, my life would have been a success. And so just by him being a light encouraged me to be a light as well. And if you don't have anybody in your life or you're in one of the lands of dark elves where people are just horrible and backstabbing and grody, well, just somebody's got to stop the madness. This is the point. Somebody's got to say enough is enough. This can't go from generation to generation to generation. I'm just going to be the change 
And, you know, this is the life of the ascetics and martyrs and the Christendom's history. This is the lives of people of like saints. And, and this is the work of people. Like, even if you're not a Christian, you value the work that Mother Teresa did. You know that she was a, I mean, get it, rolling up your sleeves and starting orphanages all over the place. Who hates on that? So go be your own Mother Teresa, because if you won't, who will? But if you do, you're making the, you're beating trail so it's easier for the people behind you to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I, I, you know, and so much about just leadership in general, I think, is about taking initiative and being, um, you know, not being satisfied with the status quo. And the status quo, when people do us wrong, is typically revenge or avoidance. And this is about breaking that cycle. And this is about saying, you know, enough is enough. And I'm going to take the high road here, right? That's oftentimes a metaphor that's used. Um, So, you know, recognizing that you need to be intentional about developing your moral reasoning is certainly an implication here. Recognizing the benefits of forgiveness, not only for uh, the person who is being forgiven, but also for you as the person forgiving others, Um, even if it doesn't change other people's behavior. You don't want to be carrying around that baggage for the rest of your life. And this includes not only forgiving other people, it also includes forgiving yourself, right? You could probably do a whole nother episode or two on self-forgiveness, but that's also important. So recognize those benefits and realize that we all have this tendency um, towards avoidance and revenge. Uh, This is something that's inside of us that we have to be careful about. It is not... Uh, a particularly helpful feature of our of our psychology, and uh, we need to try to overcome that with a little forgiveness. Yeah, and just know that it is a natural part. You have to get comfortable with the dark sides of your personhood if you're going to manage it well. And people say, "Oh, yes," you know, they put it on their LinkedIn change management agent or whatever. <laughs> this is this is change management at the society, individual, organizational relationship level that makes doing a digital transformation look like child's play. Yeah. Right? That and it's, so if you are a change manager within an organization, right? Um you've got to live your values every day cuz there's cultural change that goes with change management, all that stuff. You have to eat your own dog food. And this is eating your own dog food at the individual. So if your marriage is rotten, you got to eat that forgiveness soup every morning, right? If your society is rotten, you got to eat that forgiveness soup on the way to change managing to the kind of place you want to be. So don't don't talk, don't tell me you're a change leader if if you haven't really done the work in the realm of forgiveness. Yeah. Well, what's so fascinating too is that you know when you come across people who are forgiving, people who extend that grace to other people, people who put others before themselves, those people are fairly influential in, in, in terms of interpersonal influence, right? You, I mean, you talked about the, the person who helped you out while your parents were going through a divorce. Like, that's such a powerful story. And, and that person, you know, wasn't doing that, I assume, for uh, some sort of broader glory or fame, probably didn't know that that he was going to ascend to those heights of fame by being mentioned on our uh, world famous podcast. But, you know, <laughs> there's, um, there's just a, I think people discount the, the, the actual power that you can get from doing the right thing. Right. 
And I'm not saying that should be the reason why you're doing it, because then you'll probably screw it up. But there are benefits to you by being a great person. Um, you will have more influence in the right ways, I think. Not all the time, right? There are times when, you know, maybe being forgiving, you may get taken advantage of at some points. I think you have to be careful. Uh, but you can still be forgiving while not being a sap, right? By not, while not letting people walk all over you. Um, so uh, there are just, I think that life is better for humans when we do this more. Yeah. And this is, so, and all of this comes back to that norm of reciprocity. That norm of reciprocity can be really negative in the realm of revenge yeah. and avoidance, revenge and avoidance over, over and over. But when you decide to be the forgiver, other people start to forgive, right? Um, you know, because, oh, well, shoot, this guy forgave me. Well, maybe if he makes a mistake. And then you get, right, you're turning this flywheel faster and faster, but in a virtuous way rather than a destructive way. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I think realizing that you have the capacity to forgive, you, you can do this, even if it is not a natural feature of how you think. Uh, and it is powerful. And I think it's especially powerful when you consider the additive impact that forgiveness can have across all of the, just the millions of decisions that we make, the different people we come across, the social groups we're parts of, organizations and society. If we all did this a little bit more, I think the world would be a lot better of a place to live in. So, you know, a lot of this, we've, we say this on the podcast frequently, but you've got to be the change that you want to see in the world and be the change that you want to see in your organizations. Right. And, and one of the things you want to do is, as part of this, you want to be careful about how you talk about transgressors. Yeah. Ben, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think just in terms of when someone does you wrong, I think it's really important to think about and to talk about it in a productive way with your family members, with your kids, your friends. You know, after our son was was hit by a car and after he died back in November of 2020, um, you know, part of the struggle was, and still is, right? This this doesn't go away, but is how you deal with that with your other children, right? And, um, you know, I think talking about it in terms of, you know, forgiveness is, is very important, and it's is interesting. They 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 actually got that um, quite quickly, um, and then but then we're a little bit confused about, you know, well, why is this person going to need to, you know, go to jail for a little bit of time? All these types of things, um. I just think it's really important to have those conversations, though. And uh, when, it, it, again, it doesn't have to be something extreme like what we've gone through, but when someone does you wrong or when someone, you know, does the wrong thing, you don't want to be the person who's, you know, maybe you're just having a conversation with your wife and your kids are in the room. Um, you don't want them overhearing you talking about getting revenge, right? At least you shouldn't. That that That's not a helpful message to be perpetuating within your family unit. Um, I think, you know, we, we tend to learn these things very early on from seeing how our parents interact, from how they talk about people. We see this in our political discourse, right? Where it's like, these people do this, these people are this part, these types of people, right? Um, and I just think it is is contributing to so much of the the discord that we see around us. Um, that we have to be more careful. Right. And not that 
so here's the difference. It's not that punitive measures can't be taken against other people. However, this is where we take revenge and avoidance out of it. So when we talk about, say, just war theory, right, that sometimes, like during World War II, the Nazis needed to be stopped. Now, was it out of some kind of, I'm sure it did drive some recruitment for the armed services, you know, some of this anti-Nazi propaganda that we had. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. But from a policy level and a maturity level, it's, hey, this is bad and we need to stop it. It's not necessarily driven from the emotionally flooded, fraught internal thing of, you know, the lizard brain just releasing the beast and smashing, you know, Hulk smash. You know, it's it's not a Marvel movie where Hulk becomes enraged, enraged and starts bashing everything to pieces. That's not a disciplined approach. So it's not that there's not punitive measures or maybe boundaries. If you have somebody that's maybe a sociopath or psychopath in your life that you have to draw sure. boundaries, you have mental health issues in your family, you can draw those boundaries. You can do what you need to do. There can be a legal system in place. There can be all kinds of things that we do to preserve our autonomy and sanity. And at the same time, we can operate existentially in this realm of forgiveness. Well, that was just a wonderful way, I think, to kind of bring this around to a close. And, uh, you know, I just hope that everyone out there gives a little bit more thought to forgiveness today in the episode. We talked about what it is. We talked about what it is not. We talked about how it develops. And we also talked about some implications of forgiveness for all of us. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.